This podcast is brought to you by Wikes Ferry Road Church. For more information, please visit WFRChurch.org. Good to see everybody. Appreciate you being here. Uh, <coughs> we're pouring down the water, pouring down the coffee. You know, I, I try not to sing, but you know, I, I just can't not sing. And so uh, we're just—it's uh, it, hard. It's hard to sit down in the front row and they're fired up singing, and you know, you're not—you're not good. I, I tried. I'm making about a half a line, and I <coughs> find myself singing. So we're trying—we're working on that, but I am a ton better than I was, so, uh, good to see you, a little bit of a recap, uh, the very first class we talked about uh, how to interpret the Bible, we talked about hermeneutics, which is basically in, in uh, making decisions about text, and some of the things that we said were, were, were that, first of all, <coughs> context is king. There's always a context. There's a historical context, things happening around. There's a uh, cultural context. It depends on what nation, what time, what's going on in their culture. There's things happening. And there's a, uh, <coughs> a literary context. Is this a letter? Is this law written down? Is this history? Uh, and so, you know, we have different kinds of literature in the Bible. Is this a proverb? Is this Psalms? So each, because uh, different kinds of literature get looked at different kinds of ways. You know, you don't treat the Proverbs like you do the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, there are principles there, but you're going to run into problems if you treat all those the same. They're all inspired. All truth is important. Not all truth weighs the same. Remember that? All truth is important. Not all truth weighs the same. Jesus said you've kept some of these matters of the law, the tenth of giving your spices, but you left the weightier matters of the law undone. Justice, mercy, faithfulness, some of those things. <clears throat> so, all truth is important. Not all truth weighs the same. That's important in hermeneutics. If you, don't, if you miss that, if I miss that, then I'm going to give the same weight to every scripture and I'm going to run into problems. Uh, when he says uh, the, there's the greatest command, love God and love everybody else, basically, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Other commands are not as great as that one. Matter of fact, out of that, all the other commands are going to come out of. They're developed out of that, that one thing, loving God. And so Scripture has a center of gravity to it. He says the Gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, is of first importance. That means... If I make other things first instead of the gospel, I'm going to run into problems, and that's pro- and that's uh, and that's part of the that's part of the problem uh, 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 people have had in making all scripture not understanding that the gospel weighs more. The story of Jesus, the narrative of the whole Bible, is developed how that God had planned from the beginning through his son and bringing him out to the nation of Israel and all the scheme of redemption that God planned. The whole thing is a narrative of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. That's the story of the Bible. Amen. And so the gospel weighs more. It's first importance. So I don't make other things first. I don't make singing styles first. I don't make worship style first. I don't make 
times we get together first. I don't make other things that don't carry that same way. I don't make them first important. Okay? So uh, that's important, and, and that's one of the things we covered in our first in our first class about interpreting the Bible. <clears throat> so context is important. Scripture has a center of gravity. First things first. All those kind of things. <coughs> the reason that's important because when we look at context, uh, and we talk about in the woman's role, we've talked about uh, women throughout the Bible. Uh, you have you have Deborah, you have uh, uh, Huldah, you have Anna, you have uh, Philip's four daughters. Uh, you have all these women who are prophesying and speaking. <coughs> And so how does that correlate? How does that live in harmony with verses that say a woman shouldn't teach over a man? Or how does it live in harmony with it says let the women be silent in the churches in 1 Corinthians? So we talked about how that works in harmony. In 1 Corinthians we discussed uh, well we discussed the Greek word for wife and, and woman is the same word and, the, and for husband man. There's not two different words. So only context can tell you uh, whether to use wife or word. And so sometimes that's hard to tell. Uh, it really is. So in 1 Corinthians 11, when he mentions God's head of Christ, Christ is the head of man, man's the head of woman. Is that man the head of wife or man the head of just women in general? So you got you have to figure out what that means there. <clears throat> and then in 1 Corinthians 11, he dealt with and when women pray and when women prophesy about the head covering. Now, I told you a little bit about my own experience growing up. Every time we studied this, we always studied it from a viewpoint of, of uh, uh, should women wear head coverings. Obviously, I think when you look around, we've decided that they don't have to do that. Their hair is their own covering, right? Uh, there was a cultural thing about women having that head covering on then, and it signified some things. <clears throat> but uh, just because it was cultural doesn't mean a principle wasn't taught there about submission. Now, uh, in Genesis 3, we looked at the fact that uh, when, uh, after the fall, uh, it says that Eve would uh, have a desire for her husband and that he would rule over her. We have a submission, headship relationship there in the marriage. Uh, and, of course, in Ephesians chapter 5, you know, Paul talks about the husband being the head of the wife. And, and like Christ is the head of the church, right? <coughs> And so you have that relationship and how important it is to keep that relationship. That's why, that's why it's such a danger in our culture today when they try to remove the distinctions of the role of husband and wife or a wife being submissive to her husband. When that tries to bleed over into the church, we're going to run into all kinds of problems. There are differences. There is equality, but there's different functions and different roles. Has been that way from the beginning because he uses creation as this, uh, the example of that, right? And then in Corinthians, but in First Corinthians, he says women are praying and prophesying. When they do it, they have to do it a certain way so they don't dishonor their head. I think their husband, but obviously the head is Christ too. He's the head of the church, right? So they dishonor him also. But uh, uh, but the, they've got to do that in a certain way not to dishonor. It wasn't that they couldn't be verbal. <coughs> But there was a way to be verbal and a way not to be. And that was the, the key in the context. And then, we, and then last week we dealt with chapter 14 about the three, uh, about the, 
three groups that were told to be silent. Tongue speakers, prophets, and women or wives. And that those were the persons told. The occasion was, you don't have an interpreter, you be silent. And he uses this word, sagaho, or two or three only at a time. Same way with the prophets. And by the way, we don't know that these were men or women or mixed. doesn't tell us in the context. They receive a revelation, but if one of them gets one, they are controlled when they get their prophecies. And so you don't, you know, you sit down and be silent while the other guy gets up and do two or three only at a time. Same word. It's a guy on verse 30. They have women. And you have some insubmissive speaking going on to their husbands. I think it's their husbands. <laughs> to their prophets because he's going to tell them to ask your husband when you get to the house. And he tells them to be silent and he uses the same word in all three situations. And tells them to ask at the house when they get there. And so we dealt with, with that last week about these three groups of people <coughs> to give the context of First Corinthians. Remember, the whole deal was about division from the beginning anyway. And then he tells them how to have order in the church because if, if you don't do this, you lose the edification and relevance of the teaching that's going on. Each one of these destroys the relevancy and the edifying that should be happening in the body when these things took place. And so we, that's why in the, uh, that's why twice in the in the in the passage he talks about the order of the service. And we and we throw around, around the phrase a lot, you know, do things decently and in order. Basically, that's the idea. It's not it's not a, a, a rigid organization. It's about edification of the body. <clears throat> Don't destroy that by these actions. And he tells each one of them the same thing: to be silent. And that word for silent means to quit verbally talking. It's not the word for silent that he's going to use. In, we're going to find in Timothy where, he, where it means quiet spirit. It's an entirely different word. Okay. So that kind of brings us up to date. <coughs> now let's deal with the... Uh, uh, before we read the Timothy passage, I want, to, I want to deal with Peter just for a moment. 1 Peter chapter 3. If you'll turn over there, we'll read just a little bit here. The reason I want to do this is because of the, I, want, I want you to understand different people's viewpoints. Not that everybody has the same or not that somebody's smarter than someone else, but I think we at least need to look at why people view things differently than we do sometimes. <clears throat> now, here's what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over what? Without words. By the behavior of their wives. So you've got wives winning a husband without Words without them teaching over him. Got it? They're being submissive to him. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit 
which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to, uh, to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. I know that's some of your guys' favorite passage. Let go, let go. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. And of course, then he's going to deal with the husband for the rest of the text. Now, now turn over to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you were to see this word woman as wife, think about how some people see this passage. I just want you to see how other people look at it. I'm not saying this is how it is, okay? Uh, verse 9, I also want women or wives to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for wives who profess to worship God. A wife should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a wife to teach or have authority over a husband. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman or the wife who was deceived and became a sinner. But women or wives will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness and propriety. Those verses sound a little bit alike. Now I think, come on, in, I think the the principles are going to be the same, okay? But you do see how some people could see this uh, uh, as as wives that were out of control in in Ephesus. I just want you to understand why some people might look at that and think that it was that it was wives. <clears throat> All right, now. Uh, now let's talk about the Timothy passage. Let's look back in uh, the very first verse of chapter 2, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. See that quiet? It's the same word while ago when he's, uh, later on when he's going to tell the women to be quiet. And it's, gonna, it's the same word. It's not the word sagao. It's a different word. It's talking about attitude and, and uh, uh, spirit. Okay, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The testimony given <coughs> in its proper time. And for this purpose, because of all this, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. So what's he appointed as? What's, that? what's a herald, by the way? Yeah, an evangelist. That's where we get the word evangelist. Okay? So he's an evangelist. Uh, he's an apostle. And he's a teacher. Evangelist... Apostle, teacher. Do you see those three ever mentioned anywhere else? 
Remember in Ephesians, he said he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. Okay? So, I mean, he's, he's more than one of these. Paul is on, on this. And he's writing to who? Who's he writing to? Timothy, who's called what? An evangelist. He's, he's, he's got one of these slots too. He's an evangelist. Okay? I want men... And this is the word for man. It's not the word for it's not the word for mankind or a person. It is the word for man. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer, without anger or disputing. Why? Chapter one: You've got some guys causing trouble in the church, and they're arguing over controversies and myths and fables that don't even have an end. He talks about endless controversies. Okay? He says, I, I, that, he's talking about some of these false teachers that are coming to mind. He said, I don't want you to be like them. Uh, now, the holy hands, it's not a matter of physically lifting them. I mean, can you physically lift your holy hands? Sure you can. This is not a passage on, on posture in worship. Okay? The reason he mentions holy hands here is he's talking about their heart and attitude. In other words, their, their purity. This is what he's talking about. Now, they can't lift the holy hands, but it's not a demand for... I mean, do, you, do we go around demanding, go around lift the pew? Okay, hey, you didn't lift the holy hand. Sam, get your hand up. You didn't lift it. Now, they told him to lift You know, No, no, we don't do that. We don't do that to that verse, right? Because that's not what he's talking about. So, But uh, I want men to lift holy hands in prayer without anger and disputing. In other words, there's a, there's a way... Uh, uh, to to approach God that's holy and good and one of the ways not to is that all this anger and disputing you got quiet because it runs the testimony of what he just talked about it runs the testimony look he wants all men to, he wants to pray that all men be saved and he's he's got he's an evangelist and an apostle and, 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 and a teacher of this faith that's the news he's got going out there he doesn't want to destroy the testimony by your controversies that are going on in their life. That's what he's telling them. So he tells the men how to behave. And he also tells the women how to behave. <coughs> also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. <coughs> Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Start hiding your price tag. Right? Now, why these things? He just we just read by the way, same way, same thing he told the wise over Peter, right? No braided hair, no uh, uh, expensive clothes, no gold or pearls. Where's Nina when I need her with her big pearls on her head? I always love Nina being my class when I teach this. So what's he talking about? Yeah, he's comparing it to modesty. So, now modesty, by the way, we always think of someone being underdressed. But the word actually is more than that. It's also being overdressed. It's also dressing in such a way as to make everybody look at me in, in some kind of outlandish way. That, <coughs> that, that's, that, that, that deals with modesty too. That's why the, 
the, the braided hair and the gold pearls and the expensive clothes, what are they trying to communicate? Well, in the world, that's communicating something. What's it communicating? Worldliness. And there's a modesty about that. So modesty is not just, when you look at the definition of the word, it's not just underdressed, it can be overdressed too. So, but it's what he's saying. Uh, uh, why don't conduct yourself this way? Which obviously they were conducting themselves this way, or he wouldn't warn them, right? Yeah, but you think uh, some of them was coming in looking like the Queen of Sheba or something? <laughs> they were coming in looking immodest. Whatever this dress was, it was a way that says it communicated, "I'm, I'm not in God's family. I'm in the world." That's what it communicated. Does that make sense? So he's, he's dealing with their modesty. Now, does this have some cultural things involved in it? Sure. Because you can have braided hair and not be immodest. Some of you are thinking, oh, I'm so glad I did not braid my hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but all these things in their culture at this time communicated something and about modesty. And so the principle... Even though he uses cultural examples, the principle is eternal in terms of it being universal. It's always correct to be modest people. So, and by the way, does that mean the men doesn't have to be modest? No. Then why didn't he tell them? They probably were already. Because they're not, they're not having the problem. No, I always think in context. There's a problem going on here. Matter of fact, he's going to even say later on some of these women were, were very vulnerable to being, uh, uh, to being tricked by these false teachers. And, uh, and he uses them uh, in a way. Matter of fact, they even get into, uh, they even get into being busybodies. He uses the word, that's not my word, that's actually the Bible, you know. And, uh, uh, and they get into babblings and the myths and the stories and, and they, they get into this stuff and it's causing division. And, uh, and and false prophets are taking advantage of them. And probably their lack of learning because women at the time also uh, didn't, get, didn't get much education. And now in Christ, he's telling them, you learn and you grow. That's a good thing. You know, as the word of God spread too westerly from the Middle East, you know, you got into the Greek mythical gods of like, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, the gods in Corinth. And there was a lot of female participation in these female goddesses. So as they move further west, the gospel, you know, these women are a lot more freer in these societies, and they dressed, actually, what was it, Aphrodite's, they had shrine prostitutes who dressed a certain way, looked a certain way, because that was their main way of income, you know, so there was a lot of influence of that as Paul and the Word moved westwardly up to, uh, of course, Corinth and other part of the country. Right. And they, so there was going to be influence of the world. Being more so, that was just my two cents. Yeah. No, no, it's worth it too, John. No, John that's, that's right. Uh, in one of John MacArthur's books, he uh, he was actually talking about some of the temple uh, temple uh, uh, prophetesses, and uh, they actually talked about the Christian women and talking about the radiance of the Christian women that they had and the simplicity of dress that they had so that their inner beauty would show out. So they were, you know, they were even temple prophecies, prophecies talking about the inward beauty of Christian women that could be, be seen and, you know, through the, through the simplicity of dress. And I, I thought that was pretty interesting that, you know, through their good works and the way, you know, just the way that they presented themselves in society that they were even noticed by 
you know, some of these guys, you know, some of these temple priests that were, you know, served other God. Mm-hmm. It was interesting, you know, that, you know, that their beauty could be seen not through their dress, but who they were. Yeah. And it was noticed. And it was noticed. You bet. So, he tells these, he tells the men how to behave, and now he's telling women. And he does this thing about modesty. But with, but you clothe yourself with good deeds, appropriate for women who profess to worship God. He mentioned those women back in Peter too. And we talked about godly wives. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. They were, uh, <clears throat> it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. And later on, you know, Paul, uh, Paul gives responsibility <coughs> to sin coming into the world in Romans to Adam. Right? Here, he's, uh, uh, here he's giving it to the woman. But there's a reason. He's making a point with how the, how sin came into the world here, but uh, but also when when he talks about the first Adam and the second Adam in the Book of Romans, he attributes responsibility to the man. Okay, so there's not sorry guys, you can't always blame it on the woman. You know, <laughs> I, I, I I heard that it was said, you know, the the, <clears throat> the when God addressed him, the woman said, uh, <clears throat> the man uh, uh, the man said, God is that woman you gave me. And the woman said, God, it's that snake. And the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> so, you know, I need to get that joke to trend. <laughs> okay, so, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, and propriety. Now, <clears throat> let me say this first of all. For someone who thinks this is an easy verse, <laughs> it is not. It's very difficult. I, I, I can't tell you how many commentaries I've read on this whole section. And of course, the last verse especially becomes more difficult than the, the than all the rest. But so here are some possibilities. First, let's think about what it's not. Okay. Is there ever a time to be immodest? No, it's always wrong for women or men to be immodest. But it, is, it does have a context here of being together. <clears throat> now, while some uh, look at, the, I, I don't know if anybody that doesn't think that this is that this is a private setting somewhere. Uh, most things, most commentaries I've read, things it's <coughs> a house church or a uh, an assembly of some kind where they're gathered up, and these false prophets that have come in there cause problems within it. So he writes them because later on in the book he's going to tell uh, Timothy that he's writing that the reason he's writing this is for him to know how the household of God should behave. Remember that, or the family <laughs> of God. Uh, and I, I like the word family. I like the way we use it here, our forever family. And so it's the, the family of God should behave. So the restriction of women teaching or taking authority <coughs> over men. Let's talk about that because that's always the hardest one. Uh, what we know it's not we know it's not at all kinds of teaching how do we know that? you can sing and teach and admonish one another with psalms and spiritual songs with actually with the Bible teaching, singing songs so we know it's not all teaching it's not 
It's not all ver- it's not all verbal things that come out of our mouth. We know it's not that. Okay? We might not know what it is yet, but we know what it's not. Sometimes that helps. We know he's not eliminating congregational singing. Uh, and so it's not it's not eliminating teaching in every context. We know in Corinthians, the same writer wrote about when women pray and prophesy to do it a certain way so as they don't bring dishonor to their head. So we know it's not all verbal information. So what is this then? If it's not singing, if it's not uh, talking in class or in an assembly singing, or, or if it's not praying and it's not prophesying, what is it? Because by the way, prophesying is pretty authoritative, right? It's not about the information being authoritative. It's not about the information. Who's the authority? Who has the authority in the context? Who? The man. Well, God, but the man has. He said, a certain authority over who? You can only take authority over somebody who has authority. Right? So, who? what are relationships that have authority? Husband and wife. Husband and wife. We know that one exists. We established that one solid. Okay? From the beginning. I mean, that one's, that one's nailed down. We know there's authority and headship and submission there because he's going to use those words here in this context. What other... Is there any other relationship? Because we know it's not all women over all men. We know it's not national, right? You've got Deborah. You've got uh, all these other women prophets. You've got Lee, you've got Miriam, who led, by the way, with Moses and Aaron. Uh, so it's, it's, not all the, it's, not all, it's not all men over all women all time. I don't have authority over your wife like you have authority over your wife, right? There's not a, a submission relationship there. And a headship that existed. So, is there any other thing where it might could have some authority over a woman? Uh, what would it be? Shepherds. Now, shepherds have a, a authority, even though it's a servant leadership thing, but they have authority and responsibility over the whole church, right? Then you have authority over my wife, then. Yeah, that's right. Within the church, that's right. That's right. So there's a relationship that exists. So here is an area where there is, there is at least we know, that shepherds have a responsibility in nourishing, teaching, growing the body, and remember what the Hebrew writer talks about, submitting to those who have the rule over you. There's a relationship that exists in shepherding the flock. Uh, but now, who else is ever told that they have authority? Titus, Timothy. Well, you reprove and rebuke and you teach with authority. And Timothy and Titus, it seems like the evangelists had that kind of equal leadership. So you have these. And then you have that relationship of growing that church out of Ephesians, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. Now just see if this makes sense a little bit to you. If you, if you take this as a church thing, uh, the teaching here 
that that this that these women or a woman was doing. And there's two ways, by the way, out of the Greek construction of this sentence: teaching over man, or having a, and usurping authority over man. Two different things, or one relates to the other. Teaching in a authoritative way or a domineering way. By the way, this this word here for oftentimes it's the only place in the New Testament it's used uh, about about a woman taking authority over man. The the in the Greek the teaching is the, the present infinitive. It's a <coughs> lends the idea of an ongoing thing. And here's what I think about it personally. And believe me, I can be totally wrong. I have been before. Uh, if this is a church thing, I think what it is is that role of, of, of office of a teacher or pastor teacher that directs the, uh, the final word authority in terms of what churches do and growing is that's that role of the elder and the evangelist or probably would include apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers that he uses there. That, that that's the role that the woman can have. And the only one she can take that over is someone who has it, which would be church leadership. Does that make sense to you? Because it can't be all teaching <clears throat> because all women are not over, I mean, all men are not over all women. It can't be that I can learn, get information. And look, it can't be by accident. It can't be that I accidentally hear a woman's voice give Bible and all of a sudden she's asserting my authority. It's not that. Okay, There's a taking over of a role that doesn't belong to them. If, if, if not, then why reference creation and why reference childbearing? Because those both describe the, uh, uh, the, the role of the wife. Actually, the first one, the creation, is the role of the wife. That's why so many people think it's husband wife, and even the childbearing section of the passage is about a, this is the sphere, usually a part to describe the sphere or the whole of a, of a typical wife's or woman's role. Now, whether it's wife or woman, it doesn't make any difference. The same problem exists. It's wrong to be unsubmissive and take authority it doesn't belong to you. That we know is wrong. Okay. Now, how that's done practically is where we run into problems. Is that done because a woman actually gets up and teaches a class and gives information? Does uh, that make it wrong? Is it because she, you verbally hear her? Can I be in a class and that be violated? Or can I plug in a tape and listen to her and all of a sudden it's not violated? That doesn't make sense biblically. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, if she's live, it's Sinful, but if it's video, it's okay. Well, that doesn't really make sense either. So why? Because it has to do with the attitude and spirit of the person. It's not the just the physical thing taking place. Does that make sense? It's not just that something verbal is coming out of their mouth because verbal came out of prophets and, and, and prophetesses and people praying and verbal came out of singing and verbal came a lot of ways out of tongues and other, other gifts that were done in a way that did not violate this verse. They did not take authority where it did not belong. So there's a there, so it can't just be that something is heard. It can't just be in the hearing or the action. It has to also deal with the Spirit. That's why he doesn't tell 
this person to be silent using this word from 1 Corinthians. He uses the word for quietness. And it's the same word in chapter two, this chapter 2 where it says quiet and peaceful life. It's that spirit that she has. Now, let me ask you this. When you're raising a little girl up, And you're teaching her to be a godly woman. What kind of spirit are you going to teach in her? Quiet, gentle. Quiet, gentle, submissive spirit. Because if you don't, there's nothing magical that happens when you put the ring on, and you have, and and, and the honeymoon's over, and the next day, all of a sudden, now I can be quiet and, and submissive and spirit when I wasn't before. You see that? that is, in other words, it's never just a one single situation. In other words, this is something we teach our girls from day one about how to be a godly wife like Sarah and those others who were submissive to their husbands in their relationship. Whether or not they get married or not, the spirit of quietness and submission and learning, that kind of spirit needs to be in their life, period. Right? And they, they never. there's never a time for them to be immodest and there's never a time for them to be domineering. Uh, taking authority that doesn't belong to them. And so, uh, uh, I think the text here is talking about church leadership because it's an ongoing teaching and ongoing authority that exists within men. Now, others take it to be husband and wife throughout the whole thing, and that's the relationship that exists. I have a harder time seeing it that way, but, but some do, Okay. Others take it as being only when we're assembled on Sunday morning for the supper. We don't say it like that, but that's where we end up getting. And because that that tends to be, uh, and I'm going to do this. Bill Smith gave me a title. He didn't know it, but last time I talked to him about this whole passage, we were discussing some things. That's the magic place. Preach a sermon with this called the magic place. All of our problems basically have come, divisions have come out of what can or can't be done pretty much in an assembly. It's the magic place. I mean you can get you can get away from that and you can you can house churches, other things. But see, I think this would be wrong in any context. Be wrong for her to take a, a role of teaching and authority that belongs to to the uh, evangelists and elders of that church. I think that would be wrong in any, any context. But uh, we tend to want to just basically go to the magic place. And and I appreciate our efforts in trying not to violate it because we've done things that didn't make sense, but it did because they were practical, right? Uh, I can remember we would have a, a course to come and sing and, and the course would be led by a woman. But there was concern we didn't want to violate the text. Right? And we wasn't sure whether it violated or not. So what would we do? Have it after after church. How do you dismiss? By prayer. And so, I'm not making fun of that, but I kind of am. Because I'm making fun of myself. Because I've done that. Because it's like if I can call time out, then it's okay. So you mean one thing can happen... And it be okay before prayer, and uh, I mean simple before the prayer, and and not simple after it. And everybody says in their common sense that doesn't make sense. 
but we do it because out of good heartedness we're trying to figure out a way that we we honor people and where they are in their study and not violate the passage. And look, that's that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I commend leaders who go the second mile to try to take in consideration people's positions on Scripture and still function as a body because that is a vital thing. That's making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit to the bond of peace. And that <coughs> is more important than what I want to try to get done in an assembly somewhere. Whether it's a woman waiting the table or saying a prayer or doing something else that's going to be problematic with us. Look, unity of the Spirit is greater than our freedom. And that doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. We're all just studying and wrestling with these things together. So how do... What, what's the greater lesson here? Men's holy lives with the right attitude and women's holy lives with the right attitude and spirit. Because when you have those two things, you'll work, you, we can work through Timothy. I'm convinced we can work through Timothy. Because I think love not only covers a multitude of sins, I think it covers a multitude of opinions. <laughs> but personally, just my opinion, I think what she can't take is the evangelist pastor-teacher role of the church. I think that's what he's talking about. That doesn't mean she can't speak. It doesn't mean... Uh, doesn't mean you can't use it. We use our women in great ways. And by the way, our women do great. Testimonies, they do great. Uh, greeting at the door, they do great. In other words, there's a ton of way our women are used in house churches and all over that, that need to be acknowledged as being great. But that's that's difficult. we got one here, one here. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, I just, I don't know if you already mentioned that with the, the passage in, I know we talked about First Timothy there, but in, in Titus, that the passage in chapter 2, I mean, can that kind of be linked together there. That's always been kind of where I went for my answer on that. Oh, for, for who she teaches? Yeah. <coughs> yeah well, it definitely, yeah, definitely involves older women teaching younger women. <coughs> and, 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 and a matter of fact, somebody pull that one up and read, read a few verses of that. Because that's a great verse. Just whoever happens to have that. Okay. It says, uh, Likewise, Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no, so that no one will malign the work of God. So, who's going to help teach these women how to be subject to their husband? Older women. Now, that's not prescriptive. That's not. Uh, I don't know, it's not limited. Limited. It's not the only thing they do. <laughs> no. And it's not also it's not limited in that women can't young women can't learn from church leadership either. But there is a particular role that older women have in teaching younger women. And and so there is a role that that that, that exists that we need to encourage more and more about by the way, that's why I love the I love the heart to home stuff. I think it's creating opportunities for older women to teach younger women. We just got through that same passage talking about older men instructing younger men. Older men teaching younger men. 
Yeah, and we need that. That's right. It's not limited to just that, but there is a certain emphasis that needs to be there. And I think if you lose the emphasis of that being ongoing, we'll lose something. But it is not saying that older women teach younger men. Right. Doesn't say that. Could they? Well, we know they can. You know how? Because guess yeah, what Timothy got? It. Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking of, uh, you know, the different forms of teaching that I've seen and things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's right. In other words, he doesn't mention they do have a responsibility more toward women than they do men, even though Timothy was taught by who? Mother and grandmother. Mother and grandmother and commended for it. They, matter of fact, they, you know, they did some great things in raising up that evangelist. But, so it's not limited, but there is an emphasis on the role. I don't want to lose the emphasis on the role just because other teaching can take place. Does that make sense? I don't know if that answers a question or not, but Sam? Um, Aquila and Priscilla took Apollos aside. They didn't rebuke him when he was preaching, but they took him aside and taught him. That's a good point. They they took a, oh, you want to pass these out. Uh, they took a, Aquila and Priscilla, as Sam mentions, uh, teaching Apollos. So there was teaching ongoing, but obviously that teaching didn't violate the Timothy passage, Right? So in other words, there's teaching that doesn't violate it and there's teaching that does. And that's where our rub is. Is Where does that take place and how? Danny had something here. Yeah, Christ has all authority over me and, and everyone. <coughs> uh, as an elder, you have authority over me based upon my lifestyle and anything that I would bring reproach upon the church. I mean, you're there to help. You're there to guide. When you talk about authority, I'm not sure how that applies to women, how would that take authority away from me? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're talking about a wife taking the authority away from me. How, how is that? What could they do to do that? How, what could they? What could a wife do to take to, to be out? Of, well, really... Not, not a wife, but a woman in general. Okay, well, let's do a wife. Well, I, get that I, I understand that part. Okay. <laughs> No But any any other woman. She works for me. It's very submissive. That's all I got to say. She's got some great ideas. Um, But another woman. Mm -hmm. What authority? You know, I mean, Donna just passed out papers. They didn't take authority away from me. Uh, That's right. You know, I mean, I don't because she doesn't have any over you. Yeah. So I'm not sure where that authority. I I guess I'm confused about that. Okay. The only two places I see where any kind of authority exists. First, the 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 most obvious one is husband and wife relationship. By the way, fathers are supposed to bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, even though mothers have a more nurturing role than a father does, right? But, I mean, they're both responsible. He has a role of responsibility over that, even though they both work together. So, but, but there is a submissive headship relationship in a marriage. Okay. Is there any other kind of relationship where there's headship? Well, you know, they've, got, they've got distinct qualifications for an elder. Yeah. And you've got, well, you've got Christ in the church. Yeah. You have that. And you do have, you do have the elders... Of being responsible for the flock 
and there's a relationship of, of authority and of leading there that exists. There's no, I don't know of any other one anywhere. Uh, there's not a general all men have authority over all women passage anywhere. John? Well, I think we're missing a, even a bigger point that uh, is in 1 Peter 3 where he's talking about the wife's lies and how they dress and they, but he says in the same way he's talking about chapter 2 if you go back in chapter 2 he's talking about he says live as free men God set us free from law and legalism and here we are trying to set legalism right now he said Galatians 5 he said don't be yoked again be careful God set you free don't use your freedom as a covenant for evil for, uh, for evil of course Christ set the example so for for in this way Christ died for you leaving you an example you should walk in his steps our mentor is Christ free to do whatever we please God doesn't show favoritism God looks at the hearts of people he set us free from that there are things that we do uh, that is proper and there's a lot of proper and propriety things that Paul's addressing and everything but he, uh, he uh, it goes on live us free but he used, do not use your Freedom is a cover of, you know, live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. There's a proper way of doing things. But uh, God did not take us out from a law of works to put us right back under a whole law of works. Right. We are free in Christ. and But there is an attitude, and that is chapter 2 of Peter, talking about the Christ added the way he lived and the way he submitted himself. And wait, and Paul goes on into that, but uh, we have to be careful that we just start studying a bunch of laws and just he said, judge for yourself what is proper. Back in First Corinthians, yeah, says, right. in the Lord, however, women is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as a woman came from a man, came from our rib, remember, so also man is born of woman. We come from where so we get birth as our mother, you know. But everything comes from God. Judge for yourself. Is it proper for a woman to pray with her head? Or he gives them, judge for yourself what's yeah. good and right. He does give some freedom in there, doesn't yeah. he? <clears throat> so we have to be careful that we get back, get right back on the coast. We know from Romans 4, law brings wrath. We get so it, nitpicky about everything. That even though we are to study God's law, it right. is, we uphold God's law. So God's this, law is right. This makes sense to you then, John? <coughs> That basically, as you study, as we study and grow in something like this, then, that what we really, the greater lesson that we really need to have first is understanding grace. Because if you don't have that understanding of grace of the gospel, then the tendency is, is to make things law and decide that someone is condemned or not condemned by what you decide. Does that make sense? So there is a greater lesson in the, in the in the practice of grace, and and of course that's that's what putting the gospel first does for us. Is it keeps everything in its perspective. While we wrestle with Scripture and we may disagree with each other, what we don't do is we do not condemn someone and and, and call judgment on them or or one another uh, out of it. Because, uh, uh, look, we're all still growing. I, I sure don't claim to know all the Bible. And that means I'm not going to have all the truth on everything. So I've got to be able to be saved and safe in Christ without having the whole truth on everything. But I do have to have the gospel. And so, uh, yeah, Robert? I think one thing, too, we have to 
realize is what when, when God talks about authority and ruling over and all that, what does that mean from God's perspective opposed to what we come into the, the whole thing thinking, you know, man's way of thinking about ruling. And, and I want God to rule over me because I know he wants my best interest. At and if I have a mate that's that way, if I know if my, my spouse has got my best interest always at heart, and I'm sure of that, I'm not going to mind being submissive to that at all. So it's I, and I think the other step is on the application is you've got the family of God and I think I think leaders we have to have the best heart of the church of God too always I think we have to always have that Tommy? I'd like to uh, repent of a comment I made in jest that was inappropriate <laughs> Beverly Dobbs is one of the most godly women <laughs> well he going to get out of the room without the and I, and I think you know that, that, me and Danny I could have said that off to the side that was inappropriate I take back and I just want to go on record as saying she is and uh, that's the truth so. don't be talking about my work <laughs> <laughs> um, about what he was saying about how can just a woman have authority over you as a man and it made me think about it was talking about you know being modest in the way you carry yourself I think a woman can very easily take authority over a man with her body Hmm. you know we should be modest and carry ourselves in a way that we don't take that authority over a man's mind you know I never thought about that aspect of it but that's a good thought (laughs) did you y'all hear what she said same I think you're right because you know in all the other instances where there, where women are leading you don't see them going up inside the temple taking over the role of the priest and what they did in terms of of, uh, of the uh, of the, the Jewish instruction well, I was going to say one of the Barak judges for us, Deborah, she led the nation peacefully. God was with her, he prophesied. He was, she led the people, the Israelites. Of course, we know the trouble of the Israelites, they fall away. God found somebody who had faith to lead that nation, and that was Deborah. Now, Barak made it in the Hall of Faith of Hebrews 11, and he wouldn't go to lead the military. He says, Deborah, I'm not going unless you go and lead us. She said, all right, this honor is going to be given to a woman. Of course, we know the story of J.L. driving the, the tent uh, th- uh, through the peg, through the uh, mm-hmm. temple. So if Barak can make it to God's Hall of Fame of faith and says, I'm not going unless a woman leads me, I shouldn't feel too ashamed if a woman gets up and prays or leads the class leading me. I said, I'll do it by faith. Yeah. And he still made it. So mm-hmm. now, did God want him to lead Absolutely, because Deborah said God commands you; you need to leave. But he did. But he still made it by faith. Yeah. So that's just a yeah. Good thought. Good thought. I handed you out a paper there. Uh, this is a this is something I picked up. I, we typically don't look at this chapter, <coughs> Romans 16. There's a lot of women mentioned here and activities that they were involved in the church. You can dig around on your own more about that, but. Uh, I wanted to at least leave that with you, and uh, you can look some of those things up uh, and wrestle with them like the rest of us have. But look, let me say this: I love y'all. I am so great. I am so grateful that our church family can wrestle with verses and 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 struggle with them together, and uh, still be about the business of getting the gospel to the world, knowing that that's greater than than our wrestling with some difficult texts. But 
So uh, uh, I appreciate y'all being on board with our church and what we got going on. I'm excited about what the gospel's doing around the world through our church family. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. We're so weak in our wisdom. We ask for your wisdom and your instruction. Thank you, Father, for guiding us. Thank you for your spirit that leads us. We're grateful, Father, that our hope is not in our intellect, but our hope is in Jesus, who was raised from the dead. In his name, amen. This has been a presentation by Whitesbury Road Church. For more information, please visit wfrchurch.org.